And now, live from Chicago, here's the Black Knight of Talk Radio, James Arthur Yachter. seems to be the theme song from our next guest. Alan Watt is a researcher into the causative forces behind major changes in historical development. Born in Scotland, he watched the subtleties of politics and media as they guided the population in the UK convertly into, uh, convert, <coughs> into the European amalgamation. It has been, and has been warning the North American people for years of how the same process of amalgamation is being carried out. With historical documentation, he shows how cultures are created and altered by those in control, always to lead the people like sheep into the next pasture. Learn the science of religion, creation, domination, rather than simply stating current events and details. Ballard attempts to deprogram the listener and the reader of his works. He has authored three books, now available, made available CDs, and just completed a DVD of his subjects. He spent a good part of his life in the music industry and has worked, has had poetical works published by major university presses, majorly under a pseudonym. Cutting Through the Matrix is his website, and welcome to Feed the Fire, Alan. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, we hear a lot about these uh, secret societies and what have you, and one thing, one argument I didn't like from, we'll call them mainstream people, is that if these things were really going on in the background, we would see it on the news, we would see it in newspapers, we would read about it all the time, we'd see biggest stories, biggest headlines. Now, why is that not a good answer? Because the, the media, the major media itself, has always been a part of government. It's the media, it's the middle. They peddle the info from the top to you. That's their job. They give you a version of reality which you're supposed to believe in. Uh, and you'll find that, uh, why do you think they call most newspapers in all big cities, there's always a sun, there's always a star, etc. You know, these are all the symbols of Freemasonry or the Mercury. Yeah. They're Masonic. Oh, so, yeah, they're all Masonically controlled. And you look at the big uh, empires uh, and empire builders within the, the newspaper industry and also television industries, and they get knighted. It doesn't matter what country they come from. They go over to Britain for their knighthoods uh, because they've served the system well. Yeah. And if, uh, if, uh, if the system, if these medias are part of the deal, well, of course, they're not going to expose it. But then how do we explain things like Richard Nixon getting mailed? I don't think he was nailed, I'll tell you. I really don't. So looking back at it all, um, and even with the, the way that they play their own people, uh, who are not at the top, they appear to the public to be at the top, but they're put there. Nixon himself, you thought, would have gone and held his head in shame somewhere in some backwoods somewhere because he'd be ashamed to see the public. And it wasn't until he died that the public were informed that all that time, all those years, he'd been the main envoy to China, the most important job for, that was coming up for world trade. He was setting up the whole uh, Chinese industry uh, and all the, all the communications between the West and China for China taking over the industry. So really, he, he, he wasn't demoted, he was promoted. 
Well, he, he retired. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would think that if somebody were to do something, they would, you know, go to. I mean, if I did something like that, I'd be in prison, and where he he got uh, pardoned. And I understand that they take care of their own. It just seems like if if if, if it was from Nixon's perspective, he would have just went out of office and went on his merry way. And yet there was some kind of a of a of a spanking there that it seemed. Is it possible that maybe somebody inside the media did something and the word got out somewhere? along the way that they had to do something. So in essence, what happened to them was a, a, a way of lessening the blow? It's very possible. It's very possible. They, they do take care of their own. There's no doubt about that. But it also seems as though they had them lined up for this job all along. And they do give the public tremendous drama. Uh, we, we talk about all these things that are given to us to talk about, and most of it, you know, is really drama. It's no different from the from the rags you get at the, the supermarket, at the checkout counter. It's it's almost gossip, which they write for us to to parrot about. That's what keeps the little people occupied is all the drama. But we never get into the real stories behind the scenes, never. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I would you know I I would clearly say that when you're in a company, you're you're you have a golden parachute if the company goes out of business. Mm-hmm. Rarely do you see the presidents of the companies or those the board holders actually becoming poor. I, I, I laughed when I saw the documentary on Enron, which had uh, Kevin Lay. Kevin Lay? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, he uh, was talking about how he lost millions and millions of dollars in this, and he, he, he could understand about the people losing their pensions. It just so happens that he had several million left over. Uh, but he still could understand the, the losing them. It's like, well, they should have nothing left over then, especially the way they did that company, uh, the way that it was like that. should be nothing left over. There should be no comeback. Yeah. I know Nixon was brought in uh, to, um, to be a uh, mediator. I think he was doing about the, the baseball game umpire strike or something, and he came in as a mediator. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, it's funny how he would not be in shame, if not in prison, at least shamed away. Uh-huh. It's a different it's set of mean, laws for, for, for those. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a different set of laws for those who, are, who have risen above a certain rank. And, and that's part of the, of the key to all of this Masonic business. Uh, the lower members of the orders, until they get into the noble order. See, once you become a noble, you cannot be tried by anyone except a jury of your peers. That means fellow nobles. And that never happens. That's why they don't go uh, down the hill to the lower courts. They, they, they could only be tried by their own peer group. And so that's when, once they're knighted, they're above it all. They're into a new category of regulations and rules, and they have protection. Yeah. Well, it does seem... Well, I guess what I'm asking on it is that it just seems it seems like that, yes, they, he didn't get what was coming to him, but mm-hmm. it seems like there's still a surprise that he got anything. Yes, and not, not just anything, but that, see, that was a major thing, because this was years, remember, they put him there years before the public got a whiff of NAFTA, or, or, or GATT, the, the General Agreement Trade and Tariffs, and the, the star chambers that would decide where world trade would go, and set up all the business to be set up in China, and all the industry to be transferred from the West. I mean, Nixon was sent out there as, a, as the first man, really, to help set that whole thing up, you know. That was a big job. Yeah, very important. Maybe uh, it was some, Maybe Nixon did something in the background to somebody, maybe paid a, a power 
dime on him outside uh, to try and uh, mm-hmm. keep him involved. Maybe it was an internal struggle that they used uh, a bit of the outside to keep him alive. It's very possible. I know that uh, I'm sure Kissinger had some run-ins with him. I mean, Kissinger really ran the show. And, and uh, small as I was, I could tell that the struggle was going on between them. So I wasn't too surprised when he got set up. So on that along those same lines, we have Kissinger, we'll say, running the show on that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have alleged with the current president that really uh, he's not running the show, he's the front man for it. Mm-hmm. Who would you put in the current administration as being the guy running the show? Or is it somebody behind the, farther behind the scenes? Uh, the, the ones closer to the public view are always the vice presidents. And, and the higher masonry, um, you always find number two as the main man, never number, number one. That's standard. So number two is more important. If you understand Pike's numerology, you understand what he's really getting at. And he wrote the rules in his book. So the number two man is the boss. Uh, so it's always the vice president. And then it's the script writers who write the scripts for the president. Uh, you think about it, why even have a president if, if he's reading someone else's speech? The, the, you, did, you didn't, call, you didn't uh, elect the, the writers, you see, but somebody picks them, somebody trains them, and these speech writers are coordinated with each other in every country. So you see there's a parallel system set up here, and they're all trained from a central core. Uh, they all write the same kind of speeches for every prime minister and president at the same time. So they're, they're coordinated from a central core. They're far more important. Um, and they understand psychology of the masses. They know what to say and how to say it, and they write the speeches. And I, I really think they should get some kind of Oscars and let us see who, who all these characters are behind the scenes that do the script writing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's something you can work out where you can actually have the yeah. best actor and best uh, award. Yeah, well, we can always give the actors one to the presidents because they, all they do is read them and, and then give one to the script writers, too, a separate one. Yeah. But in all reality, it's really not a funny thing. It, it's terrible because we're having a, a world run by these people uh, using us as simply cattle or animals mm-hmm. or, or slaves or what have you to do their bidding. They feel that they're better than us. They are treated better than us. They have all these ideas. And, and where did that come from? What, where did this start? How come they wake up one day and decided that we're going to be the elite ones? I think the techniques uh, and the elites have been here for a long, long time, maybe thousands of years. You just need to read the ancient history to, to catch how the ancient system in commerce and trade and, and banking was done. And it hasn't changed. Uh, and they understood the mentality of of the logic of the masses, uh, even in ancient times. What's fascinating is to read uh, the philosophers from Greece and others uh, who wrote about the mind and how the mind worked and how the masses would perceive things. Then you follow up through kings and queens back by the Vatican for centuries with their own advisors, and then you see there's a same technique being used all down through the ages where they always say the right things and do something else. Uh, but it's, it's a science of guiding and controlling mass behavior that really is at play here. And you, you can go into Machiavelli, uh, John Dee and Francis Bacon and others who wrote all 
almost uh, books basically intended for kings to read, uh, showing the king how clever and devious this person would be as an advisor. And they wrote books on how to manipulate people. Um, that was a standard science in the Middle Ages, for instance. Um, I, I, they also had the British uh, diplomatic corps uh, that was probably the, the, the world's best for centuries. And these guys were really uh, spies, in a sense, trained in the chess of life, the chess game of life. And they would go into countries and agitate for revolution and have the current governments overthrown. And then they would dispose of those who started the revolution and bring in the British as per to protect the, the chaos, the fallout for the ordinary people. And that's how they took countries over. It was very Machiavellian. Uh, they understood how to use peoples to, to fight for them. And these people would always think they were fighting for themselves and their own peoples, only, only to find out they'd all been fooled in the end. Uh, this was a standard technique. And uh, Marlon Brando did a movie on this technique uh, in the 1960s. It's called Burn. B-U-R-N, and about how the British took over some of the Caribbean islands from the Portuguese and how they, got the, they used the blacks to, to rebel. Then they, they used um, the Portuguese that were third or fourth generation to rebel at the same time, betrayed the blacks, and eventually betrayed the Portuguese leaders, and then came the British as a brand new empire to take over. Uh, this was a standard technique which was used. They used the same technique in India. Uh, so these are sciences which are taught in special diplomatic corps on a higher level. Now, I, uh, we can see that clearly in, in the Mideast now. We have uh, been told we're going in to get rid of these weapons of mass destruction that were just waiting to destroy us. And Well, there wasn't any. And if there was any... They were so legally poor of a definition mm -hmm. what they were, and it's still like, well, well, we didn't fight them. But he was a bad guy anyway, so we're going to still do it. Mm -hmm. And I know people are, are starting to back down uh, off of this, and the numbers are going down and all that, but can we really do anything? One of the things I do in the show is I want to expose truth, mm -hmm. both you know, good and bad. Sometimes the truth is good, you know, and you're, you're relieved by it. Sometimes it's, it's ominous, but you need to deal with it. But what can one do, and we'll go through that throughout the night, but what can one do, for example, on this current thing with uh, Iraq? Uh, to be honest with you, none of the standard uh, things that you could do will work, because we never had a say in the thing in the first place. It was planned years before the event. It wasn't a spontaneous thing to do with 9-11. 9-11 was a must-be that had to happen to, to enable them to put their plan into emotion. Um, and the public have no idea of the realities behind it all. Uh, we've, we've all seen all the lies that came out with the weapons of mass distraction and mass imagination, which went nowhere. But it did its job at the time. And what you find is, in history, whenever your boys are over there, you see, it doesn't matter which party you then vote in to change things, they, they immediately turn around and say, well... We can't pull out now, there'll be chaos. That's been used for dozens and dozens and dozens of times as standard routine. So you could not do it by traditional methods as to stop it. You'll never get the big boys at the top 
to admit to anything until 50 years after the event. That's also how they work it. Uh, when they declassify information, uh, I tell you, the ways you'd have to change it now would be for people and relatives and parents to disown their own sons who joined the military. That's what you'd have to do. That's the steps you'd have to go to. Because they depend on the little people at the bottom that do all the complaining to send their, to send their own sons and daughters off as cannon fodder, which enriches the big businesses and helps them fill their coffers for the private corporations. And, uh, and the little guy has nothing at the end of it anyway. You know. So you That's can't, you, you have, you have to think outside of the box for a change because all the complaining in the world is not going to change this. I, I think that's a, that's a good point. That I mean, writing your congressman, the only possible way that could help is, is if you were able to take out your congressman from office. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I had proposed people do, I mean, maybe the collective of many things would help would be to, to actively hold their congressman's feet to the fire about this. If they don't pull them out, I will vote for the next viable candidate. Even if I don't like the guy, just to make sure you're out of there, you know that type of, and that's kind of weak. But that's the only power we have—not the power of mm-hmm. writing a letter, the power of voting someone out of office. Yeah, what's interesting—I mean, the, the whole thing of uh, democracy is, is was explained by Plato. Uh, what democracy is, and, and really, if you understand what he's really saying, is that it's a front. It's a front for big power and big business. Uh, which can convince the public they, that they have rights. You see, it's a con game from the beginning. Always ends up with dictatorship as well. Uh, that's that happened thousands of years ago. It happens today. So it's a con game. We don't vote these people, and they're picked long before the public ever see them put on exhibition to vote for. They're selected. They're weaned. They've been given the okay. Um, Politicians, even at the grassroots, who don't belong to family dynasties, uh, to become a politician, you are encouraged to join charitable groups. They're all run by Freemasonry, by the way. That's the induction method. And there's always an older character there who will, who will also be the Grand Master of the local lodge. And it doesn't matter what kind of charitable group you get onto as a, a board member, you will sit there and you learn the ropes of what to say, what to kiss and what not to ask. That's how you play politics. And then if he gives you the nod, he'll, he'll pull you aside, he'll tell you about a higher board with more contacts, and he'll allow you through, but he'll also advise you to, to join a Freemasonic organization, be it male or female. And the more you do, the merrier. If you know what not to ask, when you can take the hint, when he's encouraging you to stay off a certain subject, uh, you'll get ahead. So these characters have been vetted and screened for years before the public ever get a chance to vote for them. That's the fact. That's the fact of life. And, and, and if, if we get to vote at all, it's to pick from, we'll say, uh, two candidates which are already okay. That's right. It's exactly the same as it was in, in Russia, the Soviet system. They gave you uh, four members to choose from for president. Uh, you had Politburo m- member one, Politburo member two, three, and four. Which one do you want? They were all vetted by the Politburo. It's the same thing here. Well, it could be an internal game 
or challenge for them to get who can get us to vote for them would even make them a better choice because they got us to vote for them out of the three so he would be a better choice for the job anyway because he has a better ability to do the public yeah well, well carol quigley professor carol quigley that picked uh, a lot of people who are now in your bureaucracy in the federal government uh, he picked them for road scholars he gave the okay for these guys bill clinton was one of them and of course the road scholarship was set up to serve the british empire for furthering a system worldwide and he said they said it doesn't matter about the lower politicians they allowed a certain amount of competition he says but, but the anglo-american establishment always puts their own men in at the top that's all they have to do all right well hold on uh, we got a good start here we got a lot to talk about and go through this take a break and continue talking with alan watt cutting through the matrix is his website a lot of uh, information books cds dvds a lot of information there about this we're only going to barely scratch the surface of, uh, of what he has to offer. And we will continue live. Take your phone calls as well and uh, emails and chat. 888-863-2722. You would like to ask a question directly. We'll be back live after this break. All right. We are back and we are live worldwide with Alan Watt, Cutting Through the Matrix. And welcome back, Alan. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. And so, and I'm gonna, what I kind of do is I kind of just jump around. So uh, we'll we'll skip around and come back and continue. But what's in my head now is, all right, you see it, and other people are seeing it, and they're talking about it. And people are waking up, well, hopefully not necessarily in alarming numbers as far as we'd say, but why are you allowed to continue doing what you're doing rather than just kind of silence you? Is it like... A cat playing with a mouse just for fun, letting to see what how many people get it and so forth, or is there some other, we'll say, force for good behind it? I think that they're, they they constantly take the top, and they always have done is is kept their pulse on the people's opinions. Uh, poll taking is a continuous thing. At one time, they used to simply hire thousands of spies, and London had thousands of spies employed in the 1800s just going around coffee places, tea shops, and, and bars to listen to the conversations of the public. And they, they would insert in the newspapers topics of conversation, dramas and so on, and the public would get involved to see if it was taking, if, the, if it was working with them to create public opinion. But they also listened to see if there was original thought out there at all. And to be honest with you, in this age of, of mass downloading uh, of entertainment and so on, and, and the speed of life today, they know that that uh, as far as a, a, a majority movement goes, it will never happen. Uh, they have the minds of most people, and most people go through their life never even coming close to figuring out that the system they're living in is a, a, a planned system. It didn't evolve by itself. Every stage was planned. And the major events that would happen through their lifetime uh, that were outside of their control were also planned. Most people never wake up to that. Um, they never figure out that we are in an artificial system which can only spawn more uh, deviancy with every generation. Uh, they, they've known this with even with animals since the 1700s. Uh, they still do the same test today for psychology students. 
where they put rats in a cage, a big cage, and it starts off they had a magic number and all their social behavior disappears and becomes deviant and they attack each other. It's the same with us today. They're cramming more and more people into cities. But Plato talked about the city being the beehive which would be used to bring in this new elitist form of control. Uh, he called the guardian class were the ones who were the elite. And he said that we shall use the beehive where the people will be put uh, because once they're in the beehive where nothing is normal, uh, any normality can be given to them and constantly changed according to the plans. And sure enough, that's what's happening today. Uh, a city cannot even grow its own food. It lives in a completely artificial system, uh, a pariahical system, really, where you have an elite at the top, or at least the, the, the ones you see visibly in the public eye, um, and everyone feeds off the person below right to the very bottom. It's, it's uh, an anti-humane system uh, built on being successful and fit enough to compete. And if you don't fall into the right categories, you end up on the street. And we call this civilization. Civilization was shown by an Masonic movie uh, called 2001, A Space Odyssey. Uh, written by Freemasons and put together by Masons. And they show you a lot of their, their religion in that movie, especially at the beginning. And they believe in evolution. They believe uh, that the first ape man, as they say, uh, had the right, had the one who became civilized for progress's sake, killed an opponent for the first time. So taking a life for the first time was the beginning of civilization by using a weapon. And that's what they call progress. Civilization is a brutal mechanism which serves a few. Yeah, well, it, I, I saw that movie, and I was moved by it, and it was fascinating, and yet I disagreed with it. And I like the way that you put it that way. It, it actually, I was grieved when, I, when they advanced, quote-unquote, by killing the other one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, uh, but it seemed like that was where they were looking at being, you know, the stronger of it. And then now you, you uh, put that to the latter part of the movie, and you're drawn to Jupiter. Mm-hmm. But we're the ones, uh, the apes will say, who are going to rise to that next level. And using that analogy, that next level is to subdue those underneath it. Oh, sure. Dom- dominate. Oh. And, uh-huh. and, and you, you find in this system... Uh, where most people at one time were taught when they were bringing in especially the banking systems where they could sell off national debt like the Bank of England for instance at one time people believed that the economic or the economic system was there to serve the people Uh, now and of course in higher universities they teach that the people are here to serve the economic system and that's the truth of it uh, that's how it's taught today. That's how it's understood and perceived at those by those at the top. Uh, we are here with a function to serve the system, and this system, with its money and all the rest of it, is just a tool. Money is a means to an end. It's the biggest trick in history, is to get you to accept money until you have a whole, a whole world training its youngsters to be busy bees, to be picked up in yellow and black school buses, and train from eight to four, which is just like going into a job once you leave school, 
you've been trained to participate in a system which had no um, basically import and creating. Uh, so it's an artificial system designed long before us. Uh, we are sold into debt before we're born uh, through these uh, borrowing money from international banks. And Jefferson himself said that a, that a generation born into paying off a previous generation's debt were de facto slaves. Now, that hasn't changed. Slavery has always been here. It simply hides itself. It hides its form from sheer brutality to the next level. So we now have a more genteel cover over over the, the name slavery. Um, it's called citizenry now. You're a citizen. And when you're a citizen, you belong to the country. You're owned by the country. The definition of a citizen today in dictionaries is someone born into a system with pre-existing duties to that system. It doesn't mean you're free at all. You cannot be free and be born into it with pre-existing duties to perform. You're owned by the system. And that's why immigration takes uh, uh, such massive boards, is to see uh, who's going to get the right to tax you for the rest of your life, your old boss or your new boss. That's what immigration is all about, and giving you status as a citizen. Well, we're seeing this stuff, and when we get... Uh we get more into the next hour, too, I want to uh, talk about. I don't happen to think that this is done and over. And I realize that when we when we figured out plan A, they've already, they're on plan B, B or F. Yes. So they like a chess game. They've already figured out all the moves on the board, and so they're not even worried about it. In fact, mm -hmm. if people do kind of surprise them, mm -hmm. it might be enjoyable because they, oh, yes, you know, yeah. and then they go with a backup plan, but I say that there is something that can be done that will surprise them, and I, and I go to the movie, I shouldn't say the movie, because I, I don't like how the movie changed things, but Lord of the Rings has been a very good example for me, reading it over and over again, about how, when, no matter how big they were, and how they always think using their same logic, and then something as illogical as somebody uh, working together and actually losing out on those things they hold dearly was the, the, the turn to times. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, I'll tell you, though, for every movie you watch, there are two sides of the story. And if you understand, see, the, the public are meant to view things and identify with the heroes. That's how simply it works. That's how drama has worked in all ages. We emulate that which we see the man will identify with the, with the hero, the, the, the woman with the, with the heroine. And what you don't realize, they're writing a, an occult story behind it from their point of view as well. Because the Middle Kingdom was mentioned by John Dee and Francis Bacon. Francis Bacon put it in his New Atlantis. And he talked about the people in the valley and people in the Middle Kingdom and the Upper Kingdom. You, you're talking about a Masonic side of it, which they don't explain to the public. And what they used to win in the end were the dead. It was the shades, the ghosts. Those who were already dead were used to, to win the battle for them. And then once they had won the battle, the dead disappeared. Their usefulness was gone. They're talking about the people. We always fight the battles for them, thinking we're fighting for ourselves. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I, I can see how you 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 take the movie. I can see that that slice of it as you as you put to that, and that and that's well said. I was looking at, and I always was bothered about the high blood and low blood, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to get into that too uh, of, of some aspects of what that might really be. But I was kind of looking at um, the kind of like I'm kind of like not looking at that part of it. I'm looking at the part where each one of us plays a part into it that can take down the the big you know, people with all the control and all the power and all the money and all the knowledge, but their arrogance and their greed will blind them to Achilles' heel. And of course, what's after that? I mean, the, the book ends, and you know, there's there's no story about how the other people work together and how this one worked with that one. I mean, it's a story, but I'm kind of looking at that aspect where if we could unplug it from this matrix uh-huh. and stop feeding it, like in that. Um, uh, in fact, you mentioned it. You mentioned about the, the soldiers. Uh, there was a, story, a song I heard called Universal Soldier. Yeah. And then uh, the group escaped me, but it was kind of an, uh, like a, an Irish uh, folk group. Mm-hmm. It was uh, highly, uh, highly... But anyway, the, when he got done with the song, uh, they well, walked her through it, and the end result is who gets blamed for war mm-hmm. is actually the ones pulling the trigger. Well, ultimately they are, yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, and we, we uh, are the willing fools. Masonry talks about the willing fools all over and over including their lower members. Uh, you're a willing fool. You believe you go into something for the right reasons. And it's your belief in it that makes your part to serve their system work for them. And young men are picked for old men's wars because young men are pretty stupid. They haven't grown up yet. That's why they picked them at 18. You haven't even learned what life is about yet. Um, they're still playing soldiers one day and then wearing a uniform the next. They're living half in fantasy than, than reality. And that's why propaganda movies are so easily, work so easily, because they use, at the top, they use tribal psychology on the young people. Uh, it's well understood how tribal psychology works. Every ball game you watch is, is based on the same thing, and every young boy wants to be the hero that's applauded by his peer group. And so they use these techniques in all these propaganda movies where the enemy can't shoot straight, and you're always the good guy. And, uh, of course, they never go into the politics or who benefits from all this uh, in the movies. Uh, all the young guy sees as being a hero and getting, getting the women the status that he'd never get in City Street and, and all of this stuff. It's a technique that's exploited by very old men uh, who have access to old sciences. Yeah, I see that. In fact, I like, I like how you're slicing things. So I want to keep, as Michael, I want to keep Thrones of edge to get your slice of it because I, I like how you're slicing it. There's many ways to slice things, and they all have purposes, and, and mm-hmm. you know, and so on. But I like how you're slicing it. I want to get some more. So when I throw the movie The Matrix into that, mm-hmm. what's your slicing on that one? Uh, the, the, the movie Matrix showed you many sides of this. Uh, once again, uh, one follow to the Matrix movie, and I've had some calls from young people. Uh, one part of part of what you see in movies is predictive programming, getting you ready through a novel uh, idea. It used to be books, now it's movies, of which grabs your imagination and carries you off into another world to come. And the Matrix is almost here. Actually, it is here. 
But uh, what it showed you in the movie is that you could fight the system from being inside the Internet. And I had to tell these... And there's movies out already on top of this which are encouraging the same thing. You could fight it by being part of it. And I tell people, look, uh, if you're inside a computer program, if you were hooked up to it, which you can do, they did that in Sweden back in the 70s on, on prisoners. They put chips in their brains and wired them right to the computer. Um, and that's open, that's, that's acknowledged. Um, if you were inside a computer program, you didn't design the program. There's no free will inside a program that someone else designed. Everything that you could think of has already been thought of inside that program. So predictive programming was un unfortunately uh, a side effect of that movie. However, on an allegorical side, it showed you the system really as it is. All right, I want to continue on that because I got some uh, observations of, of the Matrix. I actually I got the impression that out of unplugging from it, mm -hmm. uh, but then they do go back into it and fight the Matrix from within it rather than from outside of it. So that's a very interesting point. Mm -hmm. But uh, hold on, I tell you what, I'm gonna I'll call you back at the top of the hour. I have a report now for this week in free energy. Okay. So uh, we're going to we'll, we'll give you a call back and continue. Sure enough. All right. Alan Watt will be back after a little report from Sterling Allen. We are going through and cutting through even deeper and through this kind of matrix aspect, the idea of they are playing, setting the playing field, and even when we think we're breaking out, we're still playing one of their games. And now, live from Chicago, here's the Black Knight of Talk Radio, James Arthur Yancek. Well, with us tonight is Alan Watt, live from Canada, who is uh, making these points John K. and Stuffle made in the uh, 60s, 68. But we ended up putting our head in the sand like uh, ostrich because there's nothing we can do, so we might as well just go along with it. But the problem is we're going along right into the slaughter. There is no medium. The people who are running things here seem that they, they're not, they're not content with a, well, we'll just use you a little and we'll feed you a little and, uh, like the old slave model, so to speak, of, uh, limiting freedoms, living creativity, but providing help. It's like, now it's like, well, you know, this is getting boring just, just having these people tag along and let's just kind of destroy them. It seems like we're going to the point where they're going to see how bad it can get. How much can they manipulate us? How much can they kill us? How much can they get us to kill us ourselves? How far can they go to push that envelope? Now, you think I'm being exaggerating. Well, how about corporations who lay off as many workers as they can, raise the price as high as they can, lower the quality just as much as they can, just to see how far they can push that company? Oh, it goes bankrupt. Oh, we went too far. Well, we'll buy this other company, and we'll do the same thing, and eventually get to see how far you do it. It reminds me of Kramer driving his car to see how far, he can, how close he can get to empty before the car stalls. But it's not really funny. And we're going to be back to Alan to talk uh, more about this in a minute. And back to Alan Wan. Welcome back, Alan. Yeah, it's a pleasure, yeah. Uh, you know, back to that Matrix thing. You know, you bring up a good point. And, and, and I like what you're doing because you're really focused on, on slicing this 
right at you know the the bone and the marrow, the marrow and the meat, so to speak. It's like right at that edge, and that's good. We need people to have things that they look at, and we can throw stuff at them, and they already have their paradigm shifted this way. And then you can you can slice it and say, oh boom, oh I see that, there it is. And you keep doing it, and then all of us can assimilate that point, and then we all have our specialties. We all do it, and we all share one another, and we have a, a, a consciousness that we can see what's coming down. Uh, and I, it's, it's, it's nice to see you do it. And I never thought about, uh, as much as I love the Matrix, and the answer is to say no, which is what Neo did, he still was in the Matrix. What he said. Yeah, that's right. He was in the Matrix. And in the last movie, remember, he gets to see the Grand Architect who runs all the programs. And the Grand Architect is the Grand Architect of the Universe, is the Masonic Grand Architect, as they call him. And he, he asks Neo a few questions. Now, Neo, remember, is new. And um, Anderson is son of man. That's what it means from the Greek, Andres. So it's the new son of man. So he's the Jesus character for the new age. And he meets the Grand Architect. Uh, the Grand Architect throws a few questions at him. And behind Neo, there's about 50 or 100 screens of television there, which shows Neo going through every possible reaction and answer to the questions. So every everything is predicted. Every conclusion you come to is already figured out in the programs by the Grand Architect. Who tells them that? That there's nothing new that you can think of yourself in this program. You see? So you could not possibly fight it from within. Uh-huh. I I did not see the the latter movies. I, I uh, uh, a bunch of people who have I talked with about it had mentioned about how the last two deviated from the message in the first one. So I actually didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, giving uh, the account of what you're doing, it, it seems that way. But I don't agree with uh, that statement. There's there's if it is all over and all thought of, then. Then why be here? Well, see, what they're showing you is, is they see, what they're showing you is a predictive programming, because there's movies followed up in different venues along that theme, which have really got the young going, who think they can get into the matrix and fight it. In other words, literally by using a chip in the head. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You see, you got to understand that side of it. On the allegorical side, it's simply allegory. Uh, they were showing you how the system does work. If you understood it already, you could understand the movie. They showed you the legal system run by um, the programmers of the system. Everyone in the Matrix thought they were normal. They were given a fake life to live. And they saw their fake people that thought were very real doing jobs. And, and then they also showed you the Frenchman who was in charge of the underworld well, just like this system, the same boys at the top run the overworld, the legal system, and the illegal system. Everything is the duad. Uh, everything is, is the Hegelian dialectic, where both sides are always owned by the capstone. Uh, so there's a lot of allegory of the real system of the world as it is now in the movie. However, the movie takes place inside, basically, the Internet. You plug into it. So it's a different world as well that we're showing you. Two worlds, one allegorical of the present, and one uh, that could possibly come. Yeah. Well, the, 
I, I see I see what you're what you're pointing at, which is well taken. But outside uh, the movie, into mm-hmm. our real world, we'll say where there's a lot of things that are comparable, allegorically. Mm-hmm. Where does our own connection with the the, the higher beings, uh, our, our souls, God? Where does our intuition, our ability to get information from outside of the matrix? I've had things, dreams, mm-hmm. and things pop into my head that were outside. I mean, how does that play into this? Is this a card that they don't believe exists? No, they, they, they know it? they know it exists. That's why they gave us religions, and that's why they also would take the beginnings of a religion and then use it against the people. Um, I always say if there was another Jesus Christ or anybody like that or a Buddha, within 10 years the big boys would control it and give you a different version. Uh, So religion's been used as a control mechanism, and we think within the box. If you're brought up with a set type of religion, it's hard to get outside that box to even envisage some kind of creator that's completely different from the one you've been taught, you see. Oh, yeah, I I went through that. I, I actually had a breaking of my paradigm years ago mm-hmm. and I, I restructured or allowed to restructure following truth as I went along mm-hmm. and it uh, it showed a much different paradigm and, and actually quite better yeah that's right and it's a more uh, independent or personal level which is outside of the us group see religions are meant for the masses that's why they gave the mass to the masses uh, and, and you're taught to think as the mass, and even the, the born-again Christians think they're going off to heaven like some giant posse altogether. It's always a mass thing. And uh, even in the ancient times, pre-Christian, the, the, the enlightened ones that always pop up now and then and know that it's nothing of the sort. There, the light goes on one at a time in different places all over the place, and not as a big group. Uh, the mass culture will always go the group way and they're easily led. That's why they have a, a shepherd, a good shepherd. And every religion has its good shepherd at the top. Uh, a shepherd owns the sheep, you see, and he lives off the sheep, and he feeds off them, and he clothes himself with them. The sheep don't know any better. Um, so you, anyone who's got a good shepherd should throw it away and bolt, bolt for the hills you know, as fast as they can till they can think for themselves. Um, but yeah, often thoughts will come from way beyond all of this when you're ready for it and uh, open now, up I, a, I, I, a I want to get into some of the spiritual aspects of this in a minute, but you bring up an excellent point that I, I brought up here is that there are many people out there who are telling us that we're sheep and that they should, we should uh, not be sheep. And But in reality, what they're saying is don't be sheep following them. Be my sheep. You'll yeah, be less sheep. That's right, yeah. That's right, and you fall from the frying pan into the fire. Again, old techniques, that's why the big boys always make sure. they, When they know that religion is dying off, they can sense that they have their polls again, and that they're great at keeping statistics. And when it was dying off, they'll give you something similar, because people, what they look for immediately once they try and leave the old sheep pen, is to look for something with the same kind of rules and familiarity that they can jump into. So they always make sure that there's one with some similarities they can walk into, uh, and, and they keep doing this. And the people, sure enough, they do walk into it. The whole New Age movement was, was talked about and planned uh, in the 1800s, 
uh, the, the New Age was the Freemasonic magazine's title of the, the, the Scottish Rite of Freemasons. They put the magazine out every month back in the 50s, and that was the title of their, their magazine, The New Age. And they said right in there they would bring in the New Age for a new period, a new era for the world. And sure enough, they have created uh, over a hundred odd years, they've created a whole new religion. And the people who've drifted into it, buying the books off the shelves and being fascinated, it never dawned on them that it was all being created the same as the old religions were created by very clever people with uh, expertise in this area. Nothing happens by chance, as Plato said. As far as culture goes, uh, the elite always give the culture and they can promote it from the bottom up if they need be, but in, in reality it is decided and created at the top. Any grassroots movement in religion uh, would be outside of the control and could have uh, incredible consequences to them. So they never allow a grass movement to, to, to actually come out of and be and exist for long. Yeah. Uh, well, once the, once the grass movement starts, the media try to hijack it. They can't yes. mm-hmm. squelch it, or if they pray, you know, we could use this to our... our but uh, here's mm-hmm. one of the things I, I, I was thinking about, that the best lie to tell would be the lie that has the most amount of truth in it with the least amount of interference and using the smallest amount, smallest part, at the right part of it to be able to deflect people wide of it would be the, the best lie. Tell a lot of truth, but boy, has that lie be inside there be perfectly placed to really shoot you off. And, mm-hmm. and so my question to you is, is are they end up, if we can wake up, they're in their own way are providing us with information that would allow their own overthrow mm-hmm. if we could separate the wheat from the chaff. Yeah, they are, because they're tremendously legalistic. They must always show the antidote to whatever poison they put out, and the full knowledge that most people will never take it up or even recognize it as such, but technically it's in there somewhere. Uh, heavily camouflaged though it may be, um, they do give you the antidote, which would take a miracle, to be honest with you. Um, and the antidotes, you see, the Old Testament is the rule book of a system. It's not people, all the names you get and so on. It's a rule book of a, a high, very high occultic system that free, the high Freemasons understand, not the, the little guys with the pot bellies and drink beer and all that stuff. The high ones understand it. And the New Testament is an antidote with hidden allegories inside it, um, which pre-existed Jesus, have been used before down through the ages in other major religions, because they always give you the antidote within each religion, knowing that the people won't take it up. Because to do it, you'd have to be so idealistic in your own nature and that you'd have to completely alter your way of living, behaving, etc. In the full knowledge that the bulk of the populace around you won't give up all those little things that they hang on to, which keeps the system going. You see, man's inhumanity to man is what feeds this whole system. Uh, As I say, it's like every generation breeds another crop of young, foolish men who are easily used for war, uh, the purposes of which they never really understand, often for their whole lives afterwards. Uh, They don't realize they're working for private business and corporations at the top. 
Um, it's nothing to do with the propaganda that's fed into them so easily. Um, so we are, in a sense, our own problem, and yet until we solve those problems, the elite will always use us for their own advantage. They use human nature. They take the, 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 the drives that we have, the instincts we have, they amplify them until we're neurotic with them, and then they sit back and watch the fallout. We saw that with the sexual revolution and where that went to. Uh, if you take anything, any advertiser will know, if you want to sell any kind of food, you just repeat it and repeat it over and over and over, especially late at night when people are, are almost somnambulistic, they're, they're in a hypnotic state. And it sinks in that people will want the food, uh, even if it never dawned on them before, in their life till they saw this particular delicacy. It's the same with sex. Any need or drive that you have can be exaggerated beyond a neurotic response until it becomes obsession. And then you watch the fallout. And the fallout is always predictable in advance as well. Uh, then you create chaos in society. Then you bring out your solutions, which were formed long ago when you formed the whole plan. Uh, this is, these are all techniques that have been used over thousands of years and repeated when required. Uh, we saw this with the fall of Greece. The same techniques were used. The same with the fall of Rome as, 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 as they changed the ages. They had the same thing in ancient Egypt when they, they, they finished the line of the Ramesses or Aries, which is the Ram uh, in, in the, in the uh, astrology and astronomy and the zodiac. They, they finished the line there and had havoc in Egypt as it changed the ages to the next age. They, they had Jesus change over. He's the fish. The fish is a symbol of life. He says, I come to bring you life. And now we're into the age of Aquarius, where he empties out the pool, uh, the gene pool, in extent, extent too, where the, where the base material, those who can't come through into the next age, the new age, must be eliminated according to the esoteric tradition. This is also written into the, the Hindu religion, which is heavily involved in all of this. So most people go through their lives never understanding any of this, although personally and around them they react to the fallout of it. They suffer from the fallout of it, and they're part of the problem too as they go through it. They, if you talk, what, if, what you're saying, it, it, it fits very well. And I'm wondering, if what if you took that statement, mm -hmm. and you're, you're, you're seeing it from a perspective of, the people running the show are calling these shots and doing it and so forth. Mm -hmm. And it, it is for a, a, a we'll say a, a negative reason, I mean, their control reason, whatever. What if that perspective was actually a spin on a, we'll call it a positive evolution, where the solutions are laid out because, well, I'm going to say this out. Where, where, where this is a positive evolutionary growth spiritually, but because the dark side will say will have the same knowledge or at least very high knowledge of the program, that they will spin the results, pre-spin them, so that when they happen and they fall in line, people go, oh, see, it's just like you said, this is all part of a negative plan. But in reality, it is a positive allowance for people to go through to choose the right way out. Mm -hmm. And the people who are throwing stones inside, I mean, the beings or, you know, devils or whatever call it, the negative sides, mm -hmm. are trying to 
make it look so that the architect, quote unquote, God is is is, is the controller is wrong. Whereas in reality, the people inside mm-hmm. who are trying to derail it are the ones throwing the stones. Well, well that, that's part of it. I'll tell you why. Because you see, in the it's also in the traditional religions, even though most people don't know that, uh, because they read it in a different way. They read it the way they're expected or trained to read it. Um, in the ancient religions, and including the Greek, you had different levels of deity. And the levels of deity represented parts of a system. They also had the demiurgos in Greek, where the demiurgos was basically the devil or the dark side that was in charge of the world of matter. This is the world of matter that we live in, you see. And beyond him, there was much higher levels of more enlightened levels, intelligent levels. Um, but when it came to the world of matter, they had to dominate this world, the dark place. And therefore, uh, in the world of matter, since even Marx goes into this to an extent, Karl Marx, the wars are always about the material, who is going to own the material, who gets the big share of the material world. And also with the female, she is mother, which is motra, which is matter. That's, it comes from that. So everything comes from the mother. Um, the male part... Hold right, well, on, we're going to go for this break. If you want to just pick it right up where we left when we come back, mm-hmm. uh, that'd be great. So just hold up a minute. Yep. And on a lot, cutting through the matrix, uh, literally, live on Pizza Fire, we're right back after this break. You're back live talking with Alan Watt, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and welcome back, Alan. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Uh, so if you could just pick up where you left off. Yeah. Uh, this world, which is matter, is the middle world. That's what they mean by it. It's a place where spirit and matter meet and where the future of both is decided, and perhaps on an individual level. However, it's a, a battleground because the material is always looking for more of the material and everyone in this world of matter knows what what is right really if we all did the right things the whole system would fall apart as far as the slave system goes and yet we'd have to trust each other to help each other out in the meantime which we could all do you know mm-hmm. we could all do the right things and stop saying, well, I'm okay, even though the family down the road has just lost their jobs or got kicked out of their home because they can't pay their taxes. We're the only species that actually kicks out its own out of its home because they're poor or, or they lost their jobs or they can't pay. Uh, they don't even do that to turtles that carry their homes on their backs. We're the only species that has to pay for your shell. You know, This is an exploitative system, and we all know it. However, when each one is riding high or getting by, and affording enough entertainment uh, and all the rest of it. We, we, we don't want to see that which is below us, where we might even have been ourselves at one time. We don't want to look there. So we ignore the fallout around us, even in the worst of times. Uh, this is a cruel system which doesn't let up even in times of great depressions. The tax man still came around demanding money from you and it was trying to get water from a stone. Uh, no one had any, so you went out your home. So the system carries on even when it's broken, and you at the bottom always suffer. And yet, rather than kick the system out the window, we hang on to it as long as we're okay. It's crazy. 
Uh, and we, and so man's inhumanity to man is bred into the very system from the first day at school when you're taught to compete with each other. It's already there. And you're taught to do that all. Oh, competi- competition is uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. an excuse to learn, but it, it's, it, it's not. It's terrible, I think. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it works on your basic, exploiting the basic fears that we have within the system which is not a fear of, of uh, being left alone by a tribe, which it used to be. Uh, you, you, that wouldn't happen in the old, the old tribal system. With money came in uh, the, the isolation of everyone from everyone else. And you didn't help each other out. Each one was, was racing ahead, trying to keep up for themselves, not for the whole group. And, that, and so all your fears were exploited, and that's your basic fears of loneliness, poverty, ill health, all those things, starvation. Um, they're exploited in this system, and it depends on our corruption, our personal corruption, to keep itself going. It needs that to keep itself going. But we could all, we all know what's right and wrong within ourselves and how the system could be if we all trusted each other. And, and the film, and not be stupid either, there's always the psychopath amongst every, every level here, right down to the bottom. But we all know what's right and what's wrong and what kind of world there could be without all the exploitation of everyone else. We worship those who have clawed and stabbed their way up to the top and become multi-billionaires. People worship the stars. That's why they give us the stars. Even on your newscast, you get half of Hollywood and the stars. Um, People who are very rich and really haven't done much to get it. Um, and then when you go into the, the lives of some of them, you find out how did it get up there, you're, you're kind of shocked, and, and maybe not so shocked. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a dog-eat-dog system from the top to the bottom, and we worship the guys, the, the top crooks who can get up there, and that's what they are. That's what they are at the top. Oh, you're, 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 I'm sitting here, uh, for lack of a better word, I'm saying amen, brother. I mean, I... It, it, it's, it is just crazy. There's no other way to say it. And if we are literally willingly doing it. Now, how much do you think metaphysical influence do we have other than simple flashing lights and buttons down here? And so do you think that there is a spiritual war in behind the scenes doing the same thing from another dimension, astral dimension or what have you? There's a spiritual war for sure. And rather than classify it, it's much easier to, to realize what they've given you in the past, in all the major religions too, and uh, they always give you the little warnings. And it says to fear not those that can crush the body, because they can do that at any time, but fear those who can kill the body and the soul. It's the soul they want to kill. It's, the, it's that spark that is actually you. Uh, it's what they call the psyche. It's you, your whole mind, your, your, you as a person, not the body you inhabit. It's your mind, it's everything that is you. They want to destroy that. And if you look at most people today who've come through the last 20, 30 years, um, they're dead before they're 40 or 50. Physically, mentally, they're dead. They just come in and zonk out in front of televisions. They're in a routine. They're waiting to go to the old folks' home and die off. I mean, they're dead already. The spark of life, uh, uh, the zest has gone out of them. Their soul has been destroyed. And, and that's a technique, again, which they understand at the top. Um, to, to retain that spark that is actually you and never to lose it through all uh, the things that come your way um, 
is the ultimate goal here. You must retain that. When you do, you are alive. You're really alive. You're, you're not uh, advocating a mass conscious change in as much as an individual conscious change, which will result in a mass conscious change. I, I wouldn't say it will result in a mass. I've never said that the masses would ever survive. That's never happened in previous times. In a sense, you see, every individual is choosing what they want in every age and, and, and where they're going to, or what they're going to do with it in every age. They're deciding for themselves. If you, it's not a mass movement. It never was a mass movement, this world. The masses always go the way of matter. And that's what they choose ultimately. I guess that's been my, my problem, and it's not your because, of course, you, I, you mentioned about the, the, what you're saying about the mass way. It's like the narrow road versus the wide road, through yeah. destruction, et cetera. It's all over the place. Mm-hmm. But I guess my thinking was, is if people around are simply kind of blindly following this path that's been laid out of the destruction in front of them, mm-hmm. and that a person around them in their sphere of influence has a different path, they may be awakened by osmosis, so to speak, to another choice for no other reason other than, oh, what's that? I think I'll try that. And then once they're there, see the benefit of it. And I guess that's a big assumption that I'm making uh, that really... You'll always find that someone who can grasp what you're saying has already been doing some thinking along that way for themselves. That's what you'll find. Someone who's... And this is true, it's even in masonry too. They call it the, the people the profane, and they mean the dead by it. And that's what's behind all religions. When you're picked up from the dead, you stand up. You pick up your bed and walk. It's the occultic stuff written into all religions. It's the same story in all religions, actually. So when you, you stand up, you become alive. That's what it means. And you're given life. Uh, however, you can't make someone do it. They must want to do it for themselves individually. It's always, always been this way for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, so there's true sin there, heavily covered up, of course, for the masses. But you cannot make a person wake up if they don't want to. It's, it's almost a choice to stay where they are in slumber. And some people will tell you uh, they're afraid to wake up because they'll have to change their world view on every single thing that they ever thought they knew. Oh, yes. It is literally everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like when you uh, when you you turn from looking toward the left to toward the right, your peripheral views still look at things and so forth and so on. But when you actually wake up to this paradigm shift, you're in another whole world. I yeah. Mean, when the, when, and I'm just picking up an uh, uh, analogy here, here or whatever, but if you look at, you look at a, a TV, and we look at it someplace they're educated or learned. When you take this, well, I guess it's the red pill, as the Matrix says, and you wake up on the other side, you see the whole structure of that destroying electric, destroying matter, sending beams into your head, programming yourself, uh, the company behind it trying to maximize their profit and pay people small. I mean, it's just, it's just this whole thing. It's like, holy. Cow, it's just a TV, and it turns out to be this whole system involved uh, that you can see through it. Absolutely. It's the biggest tool that's ever been used for 
culture of creation and alteration and guidance. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's great. I got a, a, I got a part of the chat room here. Uh, said once you wake up a little, you need someone there who knows the rest of the way out, or at least is a couple of steps ahead of you, so that you're not you're not thinking you're crazy. Because if you, when you start waking up, it's like, wait a minute. Everybody is wrong everywhere, all time. It's like, wait a minute, I'm the one that's crazy. Can I be the one waking up and everyone else around me is wrong? And, and so it's good to have someone there who has at least a couple of steps ahead or around so they can say, yeah, yeah, and, you know, help you out, out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, that's true. It's true if a person is totally sincere because there's no such thing as, as I want to wake up, but I want to hold on to some of that which I believed in before. Uh, I always liken it to free falling from an aircraft. You jump out there uh, with or without a parachute, generally without, and you must be willing to do it, uh, not knowing where you're going to fall and how you're going to land. Because if you're truly earnest in wanting the truth, you must be willing to discard everything you ever thought you knew. That's a very sobering point. In my, my life, I was in a position where I had no choice but to literally discard everything and start from zero. I mean, it was almost to the point of, do I go to death or insanity? Mm-hmm. Meaning like just turning off whatever that means, or do I allow myself to be rebuilt from the bottom up? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I chose to go with, well, I'm talking to you, so <laughs> yeah. I didn't choose to die, but I, I, I choose to submit the truth and I believe, and I don't even know why, that there was a truth, there was a, a, a benign force, literally, that was interested in empowering me to be the best I could be to, to learn, to understand, without taking anything from me, and we'll call that God. And by believing in that, I took this step forward, I, I leaped out of the plane, basically. And... Uh, the good news is, is that even though as bad as it sounds, once the readjustment starts to, you know, get a little bit, you know, you get some facts together and you start to see things, you, you won't want to want to go back. In fact, you can't imagine how you even were there. Yeah, it's a completely different you that emerges, and this is what has always happened again with individuals, as I say, in every age. Every age being a period of time, this called ages, just for so we recognize which one they're talking about, uh, for historical use. Um, but that's, that's always happened. It's an individual thing where you're born again, and it was adapted into a Christian uh, religion. Uh, it was even pre-Gnostic. It always existed. But it happened by being so sick of uh, the present you and, and how you related to the world and your own indoctrination you had to, to literally die from it. That's what it meant. You died, and you were reborn. You died to the old, the old understandings of everything. And you became uh, reborn, meaning you started afresh with a completely new perception on everything that you looked at. Uh, that's what it's always meant in all lands and all ages. Yeah. And it's almost like there's a small portion of people, whatever that number is, that will actually see this, and that number is kind of written into the equation, and so those who are, we'll say, the dark forces are going to be like, yeah, well, fuel will get away, but we'll get most of them. Like, yes, and what they do, is they understand this process. 
And that's why they put all so many of the fakes out there to distract the people into cults and and, and to the so-called esoteric groups that have them dancing around in circles and doing all kinds of rituals. Uh, so they, they make sure that you get to, trapped up in those things um, for the unwary, and most of the people will actually go that way, again, because of the training from a previous type of religion with ritual, uh, with all of that stuff. Uh, they'll look for something familiar, and that's why you have these groups with their degrees and, and all the nonsense. And all it does is put you back in another prison. Yeah, I was surprised. When I, when I got out of the, we'll call it the Judeo-Christian type of uh, religious structure, which is not has anything to do with Jesus nor God, but the structure. Yeah. I went into a kind of a new age structure, like, oh, okay, I'm, I, everything was back to zero. I want to learn, start all over again. I want to learn everything. So I listened to anybody. I mean, I didn't jump in, but I listened. Yeah. And I was very, one one spiritual teacher after the other, one after the other. Well, I learned a lot of stuff from them, but one thing universally I learned is every single one of them was like, meet your new boss. It's the same as the old boss. you got to do it my way. Here's the rules, here's the levels, and if you're not, you're going to be shunned, and you're going to be made uh, fun of and thrown out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I was like, wait a minute, that, that's not new age, that's old age. Mm -hmm. It's the same old story, we're just a different team. That's right, that's right, and, and uh, they have professionals, you know, trained. I don't know if people realize that, that MI5 and MI6 in England, London, uh, the, the British version of the CIA, much older, much wiser, in fact, they created the CIA, from the OSS, um, MI5 and 6 have a, a complex in England where they train people to go out into the world to create mystery and confusion. And they admitted to in declassified documentation a few years ago that, that uh, they sent Alastair Crowley out, a high Freemason, to set up a new branch of Freemasonry to attract the youth in for the coming New Age. And he started the channeling stuff and all of that, made it popular, made, made the drugs popular uh, to go along with it, uh, the free sex, all that kind of stuff. And, and that was created by a, a division of the British Secret Service. Yeah. They, oh, ha they haven't stopped. They haven't stopped, believe you me. <laughs> it, uh, it seems like when, when you actually put it in those terms, that uh, selling... Uh, drugs or uh, getting drugs into the inner cities is not that much of a stretch. Yeah. Uh -huh. And make it popular, make the youth want it, tell them that they can channel entities, they can uh, bring in Egyptian gods into them and and let them imagine just to just go rampant and, and then you have your chaos going, then you control the chaos. It's much easier to, to create chaos and then guide the outcome of it, give the solution. And that was all generated years before the sexual liberation, years before the pop revolution and rock revolution uh, and all the other revolutions. Re I mean, they're real revolutions. A revolution is a, is a turning around. That's what to revolve means. And they use revolutions. Most of them are bloodless, but they change the culture. And they're planned way ahead of time. And they set Crowley out there in, in the 1910, 1920s to set up that whole structure of the OTO, the Order Templi Orientis, uh, another branch of Freemasonry which they created to bring the youth in. And you find most of them who end up in the rock bands and the groups all belong to the OTO that attracted them in. It's all through their music. Yeah. Well, when you, when you put all that uh, together, 
it, I bet there's a lot of people out there who are listening who are, it's gelling together. I mean, they're starting to come together to go, wow, you know, they're getting little goosebumps and whatever kind of internal type of a, of a, I call it a resonance. When I hear truth, there's a deep inside profound resonance, and, and I, I really can't even go farther than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that when I actually go check it out, because I, I learned, I just didn't believe anything, and I just didn't even believe me. I went and checked it out, so I had more and more confidence in this resonance. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you do when someone says, you know, they're waking up now, and they're and they're seeing this, they're seeing the television turn into this thing I was talking about. Mm-hmm. They're seeing that the structures in their life, the church, even though the people in their church may themselves be nice people, they're still part of this pro. What do you what do you tell them? It's like the gospel when you go to a Baptist church and you, you know, they take you and they give you these lists and they follow this stuff. Well, in your case, you're still going to have to tell them something, even though you don't want to make them disciples. Mm-hmm. But what do you say to somebody who's just waking up in this? You have to feed them little bits. You can't feed them a lot at once because you overwhelm them with what you know. It's impossible. It's like trying to get a thousand volts into a one and a half volt battery. Yeah. Uh, you, what would you do? would be like the first step you would, you know, in, in a general sense? What would you recommend? You, you help them, really, rather than impart information, you help, help them to start thinking. Because the, up until then, they haven't done thinking, much thinking for themselves. You, there's a process to thinking, truly, which they haven't uh, even begun. Uh, because even from kindergarten right through the schooling system, they've had indoctrination, but they haven't had been taught how to think logically or critically. At one time, critical thinking and logic were taught in schools. Uh, that's been well, a, yeah. completely eradicated now. And that was all groupthink and consensus for democracy, and where individualism is frowned upon and shunned, in fact, and punished. Um, so they haven't, especially those who are th- maybe 30 and, and under, they haven't they don't know how to think for themselves. When they do try and think for themselves, uh, they'll explain whatever they're talking about through a series of movies that they've watched, and they don't realize that's where every idea and conclusion that they're now coming to has been given to them is from the movies. You see, they haven't been, they've never ever thought originally for themselves. Yeah, I think that's the that's a good point. Is that when you're when people are waking up and thinking, it's like somebody never realized that they could stand up. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little weak at times, and they're going to have to learn how to think. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it really is becoming a born uh, again, in the most literal sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm also glad to hear you not. And I, I mentioned this that in in our little, our little uh, group of people that we I call them program observers. We kick things around here. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, things is that we're noticing you're not looking to have followers. You're not trying to set yourself up to be a leader. Mm-hmm. You are out there kind of walking around, as, as you know, from my perspective, uh, sharing your wisdom. And but you're not looking to, you know, you know what I'm saying. You're not looking to yeah. make uh, the followers of Alan Watt. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, to be honest with you, <clears throat> I'd, I'd rather teach a very few in a lifetime uh, than the masses of people. And those who teach masses of people are always used, ultimately, and abused 
uh, and because their ego grows so huge and so they fall for traps late in their way and uh, then their followers go around in circles as well and then leave and go off to another group that's not how truth works truth works as I say on an individual basis and uh, whereas in the past I've taught individuals very select few I, I, I won't take anybody on uh, or, or for money either for that matter um, uh, so I have to know that the qualities and the genuineness have to be there and the ability to understand and learn has to be there because you put an incredible amount of energy yourself into a person in more ways than, 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 than simply talking to them there's more to it than all of that you give a lot of yourself uh, bringing a person up uh, into life you know uh, so it can be exhausting you know Oh, yes. In my case, not that I'm any kind of messiah, but I've got these things, and I've woken up along the way, and I've, I've went to people, two mistakes I've made. One, I went to people thinking that, if I, oh, look at this. They would go, oh, wow, you know, which is almost never. And secondly, it was even like my responsibility to do it. Mm -hmm. I felt responsible to share with people. And I learned that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is for me to wake up and me to get the stuff together. And then as I go through life, I will connect with people along the way and, and share information, like I'm doing with the show. Mm -hmm. I have you on, I have other people on, we share information. I'm not attached to them making sure that they know what I'm saying mm -hmm. or do they know what you're saying. It's yeah. just, here's we got stuff. You know, some of it's incompatible. Mm -hmm. Some guests are incompatible with other principles. And it's up to the people out there to listen to it, and it fits in their head, yeah, okay. It's not up to me to make them or feel responsible. When I, when, I, when I became not responsible, I was like, the weight that came off my shoulder was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. As you, you, you unload a tremendous burden uh, when you really do break through. Uh, it, it, you dump such a heavy, heavy burden of indoctrination, and, and you, you, you do. You feel free for the first time. Isn't it funny how we're taking phrases here that are literally direct quotes from Jesus, mm -hmm. and those same phrases are said in a church, mm -hmm. and the differences between the two. Yeah. I mean, we're literally talking freedom here, and they're literally talking slavery. Mm -hmm. They are talking slavery because as a group uh, who are authorized to exist by the system they serve, uh, you'll find that the huge churches are part of the whole culture creation structure and they stand up for this system no matter how inhumane it is. It's an incredible how they can even pretend they're following one type of uh, religion while they, 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 they promote and practice the other. They allow their tax money to go to make bombs to slaughter people all over the planet um, and all this kind of thing. They, they allow their tax money to be used for aborting children all over the place and used for research and development to ultimately clone us into uh, perfect types of workers. Uh, they, they, they applaud this system and stand up for it. It's, it's amazing. And yet they, they, they're such hypocrites because they should be on the streets um, promoting the, the opposite of all of that. You know. But they're not. And they wear their suits and ties, the Masonic uniform too, so... And they don't even understand they're in Masonic organizations. Yeah. Well, I, I could 
keep going on and on here. We're coming to the end. I want to give make sure you give time that people can get a hold of you in any way that you want to be out put out there so they can uh, learn and, and draw from uh, all the items that you have, especially on your website. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com and there's other mirror sites going up all the time and uh, all I have really is uh, the lack of time. But they can, they can get lots of uh, shows for free there um, and they can buy the few things that I have up there, which helps to keep the whole thing going so far. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah I, in fact, I had a person who wrote in here and was uh, heralding the fact that I have uh, uh, free archives uh, compared to others like Jeff Rents who have a pay. And I said, well, I, I can assure you that while the archives may be free, it does not it is not free to make them. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I. You rely on people who see the value of it, who will either buy the products or donate money or what have you, because it uh, it takes an incredible amount of time and energy to do something. Yep. And the drive is not to be famous or rich. The drive is to share the information. Absolutely, absolutely. It's all. In fact, this is the only. There's nothing else to do for me in this world except do what I'm doing, because nothing else can compare to it. There's nothing else is urgent either. There's nothing out there. Well, I, 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 I agree. That's, that's, that's what, you know, I, I tell you, I'm encouraged to, to hear you talk on these things to, uh, you know, it, it, keep on keeping on and it, it under, 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 underlines the, the necessity of getting information out there for people to, to, and I, I, I love it because I'm, I'm a listener as well as the host in the show. I learn in fact, a long time ago, someone gave me a, a, a statement that says, if you want to learn, teach. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I, I don't really have to teach in as much as I just put the whole thing together, and I learn a lot, and I'm able to ask the questions, and we have the open lines and forums for people to ask. Mm-hmm. And it's very important for that. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. It is. Cut, cut, cutting through the matrix.com. That's really the best way to do it. And then from there, you can have a bunch of other items. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that I'm going to end up here with my, my music's going to come in and cut us off, but I, I appreciate you being here and talking about uh, these items and that uh, I'd like to actually have you back on it. In fact, I want to get in touch with you about some other things. And uh, mm-hmm. just I wish you well and keep on keeping on. I'll do as best I can. Yeah. Well, and you know what? And that's all we can do, and, and it's rarely uh, that whole idea of somebody doing the best they can do is, is Come foreign now. It's doing the least you can do. Get the most out of it with the least amount of quality or experience. And yes. Mm-hmm. Well, God bless you. And same for you. Yeah. Thanks. We'll be talking. Thanks for having me on. Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix. It is. That uh, tell you, it's, it's good to hear that stuff. It's real and it's the deal. And if you don't. Listen and let the stuff come in. You're just doomed to just kind of just wander around. And actually, I actually have people who don't want to know. They don't want to learn the stuff, and they want to wander around. And, of course, in that one movie, Matrix, it shows a guy like that. But it's wake-up time, and we're all waking up. Let's all do it together. <laughs>